Tonight, we're kicking off Lent um, as a crew on a Sunday. Um, hands up. Um, actually, let's do it kind of like from low to high. Low, this being kind of zero, and this being like, man, thoroughly, thoroughly in the know, around how familiar you are with the idea of Lent. We've got like a variety of people in the room. Awesome. Hopefully this will kind of pitch in a way that we can all connect with. So um, all of us know that there are different seasons in the year. Um, particularly, you know that in, in Wellington, that there's a long winter, a long spring, a short summer, and then like a medium-sized autumn. Um, we also know that there are, um, I guess, like seasons in the school kind of term. You have times where you're sort of getting along to class, times where you kind of stop getting along to class, times where you're cramming, that kind of thing. There's, there's different waves that we go through. Um, and in the church year, we also have different times and seasons where we're um, kind of more restful, um, where we're exploring a particular idea, where we're practicing different things. And Lent is one of those seasons. So Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter. Um, and traditionally, it's been a time of um, kind of simplicity, uh, of shedding things ahead of um, kind of just reckoning with the Easter story and the bigness of that story and what it means for us. And so um, historically people would have a big cele celebration on Shrove Tuesday. They would use up all the stuff that's in their pantry. They'd make some sort of pancakes. And then um, they would go to an Ash Wednesday service, which is like definitely the most down-buzz church service you'll ever go to. Sometimes we were in church and we're talking about life and the abundance of life in God, but at Ash Wednesday we say, you're from the dust and to dust you shall return. And we're confronted with our mortality and um, our out-of-controlness and um, just the, the fact that all of us are going to pass on um, from this, this life. It's kind of like um, the Lion King and when um, Mufasa says to Simba, um, Simba, the antelope eat the grass, but we eat the antelope. But then we become the soil, and so the antelope eat us. It's like that, but more, but more morbid. It's like a more morbid version of that. So we, we kick off this season with this humbling reminder that we will die, which is, um, that's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and I am really, really excited for Lent, because consistently... Um, Lent has been a really significant season for me. Um, God has really been at work in my life during the Lent of probably the last four years, particularly. Before that, I didn't really know that much about what Lent was about. So we're going to be um, journeying through these guidebooks. And I'm so excited, I tell you, about this theme of rebuilding the ruins. I think one of the reasons I'm so excited by this is that... Um, Ari said earlier, one of the names for God is, um, or for Jesus, is the Prince of Peace. And I think often all of us maybe have like a, a dominant image of who God is that's in our mind. Um, and that might be, um, I don't know, Jesus as friend, or Jesus as like a king, or God as like a father figure. But I think the most prominent image I have um, of God is God as a kind of second-hand furniture dealer. Now, let me, let me explain that. Um, probably about 10 years ago, um, I was in church, and um, it was the, probably the first time I ever had like a picture come to mind um, that 
had come to me in prayer. It was the first time that God spoke to me in that way. And the, the picture and the sense that went with it was of um, God being so, like a, a, someone that was so lovingly at work on a kind of um, old piece of furniture, restoring it and noting where the little notches had been, kind of bits had chipped out and this had a little tear here and, and that kind of thing. Um, and God being so knowing of those things and so attentive to them and so committed to bringing restoration through that. Um, um, it was just this kind of understanding of who God is. And um, I was 18 or 19 at the time, and um, I was like, wow, okay. And then um, the next day, I was walking down Willis Street, um, near where Little Penang um, is nowadays, <laughs> and someone had dumped a couch. And I was like, what? A dumped couch? And some rain clouds were brewing. I was like, this can't be. Like, I just, my heart was so moved towards this couch. It was like the heart of God on my heart about this couch. And um, Pete from the free store, hands up if you know Pete from the free store. Pete rides over with his bike with like 600 bags on it and starts riddling to me as I'm like fretting about the need to rescue this couch and to take it into my care and to have this be kind of like this living metaphor of how I've, I've recently kind of come to understand God. And so Pete's there kind of yabbering away, and I, um, I call a friend who owes me a favour, and I say, can you get your car down here? I need to rescue this couch. And so I do. I was living at Central House at the time. Shout out to Central House folk. And um, I rescued the couch, and I left it in the foyer, where I was planning to do a lot of, <laughs> a lot of DIY work on it. And so... Um, I did do some DIY work on this couch. I didn't live into my, um, my total dream for like its fullness and its restoration and that to be sort of an embodied journey of prayer with the Lord. But um, I, did, I did fix it up and um, I did wash its foam cushions and that was a big saga. There was a lot there. Anyway, so this whole season is around this idea of ruins and um, I'm going to read to you if you guys have your seasonal guidebook here. You can turn to page 8 and 9, and I'm just going to read some bits that stood out to me so we get an understanding of what is this season about. So it says, this season, um, during Lent, we'll be exploring the prophets. And one of the metaphors used by several of the prophets is the invitation and the promise of God to rebuild the ruins. In the prophetic context, um, this is speaking about the rebuilding and restoration of Jerusalem and Judah post-exile. But it also points um, to a bigger restoration, um, the complete restoration God will ultimately bring about across the whole earth. Jumping ahead to page 9, it says, As God's people in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we are invited to partner with God in rebuilding these ruins. And so the core question we hope to grapple with through these studies is, what might it mean to work with and for justice for our bicultural partners, for the environment, and for those struggling to afford, struggling to find affordable, secure, dry, and warm housing, what might working with each other and God to rebuild the ruins look like? So that is the journey of this book. Um, would so so recommend getting on this journey, whether that's personally or in a group. Um, highly recommend. The books will hand out at the end. Um, they it's five dollars to cover the cost of printing. Um, if you're able to put that money 
towards that, that would be awesome. If you're not, take one anyway, if you would like a physical copy, and there's digital copies online that you guys can access. So, yeah, very excited about the theme. And so, now that I've hyped up the overall theme, um, this week we are exploring that first week passage, which is from Isaiah 58. Um, does anyone have their seasonal guidebook here that would like to do the reading for us? Is that a hand? No. Ominously, no hands. Mm. Suddenly. Okay, that's all right. I will read that, and it's from the Message Translation. Shout, a full-throated shout, hold nothing back, a, tri- a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives, face my family Jacob with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And love having me on their side. But they also complain Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line of your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off humility? To put a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black, do you call that fasting a fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothing on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this, and the lights will be turned on, and your lives will be turned around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit victim-blaming, Quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start living yourselves, start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. So beautiful. And so, tonight... I'm going to bring three ideas around these ruins and this, just the, the power of this thing. And I guess what this passage touches on is that effectively the mechanics of the practice of fasting um, matters less 
than the, the heart that it flows from, and that being aligned with justice, aligned with a desire to connect with God and to do right by our neighbours. And I think, to me, that actually rings true of my experience of Lent. I've said Lent has been a really significant time in the past four years, but I actually can't really remember what actual practices I did because the practice itself was effectively something that just kind of made space um, or interrupted my day frequently enough to draw my attention to God and that in itself then became an avenue for transformation. And I think, I don't know, this is, just, this is a hot take, I think why it's been so um, different to other seasons is that I'm not that used to giving things up. Um, I'm a consumer. We live in a consumeristic society which um, tries to sell us things and um, kind of probe at our needs and get us to buy things all day long. And so to actually practice actively um, setting aside um, just doing what you want in terms of consumption um, and actually just making a little bit more space in that space, I think it's like quite countercultural and quite powerful spiritually. Just a hot take. Um, but that's been my experience, that the practice itself just becomes a gateway into um, something bigger and what the Lord's doing. Um, so I'd encourage you um, to find a practice, but don't become religious about the practice. It's not... Um, <coughs> God doesn't want that to be an avenue of shame or condemnation or um, about like your own righteousness or being pious or whatever. It's actually um, an avenue to transformation and to connection um, and to <clears throat> uh, a heart change that will affect your external reality and the reality of those around you. And so the first thing I want to share tonight is that with this imagery of ruins, I think there's a reality around ruins where we are the ruins. We are um, these good things that um, are broken down in some ways. Um, I don't, I don't really know good like building imagery. Like so, give me, give, someone give me a part of the building. Architraves. <laughs> Architraves. Okay. What's that? Is that like part of the roof? Ask Josie C. Do you Okay, so say um, in, in the building of my life, the architraves are like crumbling. Um, I think there's a, there's a reality in our journey with God where God meets us as kind of um, and, and does work on the architraves and it attends to what is broken and brings transformation to what is, what is ruined. Like a carpenter? Like a carpenter, some might say. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that has been my experience of, um, of in Lent, um, God, um, in, in, in kind of times past, God has highlighted things to me, drawn, uh, like, brought a kind of picture to mind, or um, spoken to me about something, and... It's been God's work that's changed that in me. And I haven't, um, I couldn't kind of orchestrate it myself or conjure it up. I was just the ruins that received the work of a God that longs to bring about healing um, in my life. So that's, that's one reality of um, how this kind of ruins imagery plays out. 
The second reality, which is one that I think I've experienced more, is where I'm on the building site with Jesus, and we are looking at the ruins of my life. And Jesus says, oh, look at the architraves. Um, what, what's really needed here um, is, is some work and is some change, and kind of hands me a tool and says, let's work on it together. And I'm apprenticed to Jesus in a work of transformation uh, where we're co-laboring together. And um, what what that's looked like in um, in a couple of lengths for me is um, uh, actually twice. Um, God has brought memories to mind from my childhood that I haven't been going searching for, and it's shown um, like exposed maybe a lie that I've been believing or um, a self perception that God's wanting to to bring change to. Um, or a way that I'm maybe perceiving somebody else, um, like from those memories that I need to reconcile with. And there's been this invitation to, to change and to transformation and to a rebuilding of the ruins. And seeking that out has looked like sharing that with people that I trust and asking for prayer and praying for myself and saying, God, I, I want your healing. Increase my capacity to receive your work and your empowering to be transformed. Um, it's good to pray for ourselves. Um, and journeying with that, and just saying, God, what are you, what are you trying to say and do here? And it's a work that we do with Jesus. It's not like, here's this, and then God swans off. It's an apprenticeship that we do together. And so that's the, the second imagery where this ruins stuff is powerful, that we are apprentices to Jesus, um, and the work of transformation in our lives doesn't end with us, because we are relationally, economically, politically connected people. And so when transformation and when the light of Christ um, illuminates in our lives, as this passage talked about, it actually transforms the space around us, where we're going and what we're doing. And so that, um, yeah, brings change in the world. And then the third image um, where this ruined stuff, I think, happens is that we are on team on the building site together as God's people, um, and we are on team on the building site um, as people with vocational callings, with people that don't even know that they're at work building things in God's world. And we are restoring um, and uncovering this thing called the kingdom of God. And for some people, that's the laying of, of uh, brickwork or um, the unearthing of what's been or the building on top of. And that space of of ruins kind of um, rebuilding is, um, is one that requires a lot of teamwork um, and probably is the one that, um, you know, for example, maybe it's like you're moving some rubble and like in the process of moving the rubble, like your hands might get cut. <laughs> That's, that space I think is one where we're kind of doing a lot of like the heavy building, rebuilding work. Um, and so those spaces look like us being Christ's body and the church together and being on team. It looks like um, your workplace or your space of study, the things that um, you're really passionate about, that God shows you all is not well here. This could be different. This should be different. And I have a call to um, be at work there. And I want to just bring um, Hark back to an image that John Crawshaw brought to us probably like three years ago when we did a series on prayer. Um, who remembers the series on prayer from like three years ago? That's right, lots of people are new, so good. Um, 
So John was talking about how um, sometimes, like, why is it sometimes we pray and things happen? And why is it sometimes, um, like, we need to get heaps of people and praying and then things happen? And, like, what's going on there? And he was, he kind of um, settled with the fact there's just heaps of mystery. But he used this image about, like, a big rock. And it's like, if you're just one person trying to move the big rock, yes, you can't move it. But if you have a lot of people around it, the, like, combined energy, like, enables, yeah, there you go, Jesus there, um, that enables it to be moved. And so I think in our kind of rebuilding space, um, that's helpful to think of, that there's things that need to be moved. And sometimes they can only be moved with prayer and prayer together. So just want to re-invite that image to be amongst us. And so in this journey um, around the theme of ruins, um, God is at work in us to rebuild ruins, with us to rebuild ruins, and through us to rebuild ruins in the world. And that's, that's what I want to give to you guys tonight um, as part of what I'm sharing. And then I just wanted to bring two other things that feel kind of random, but I feel like I just kind of on my heart. So um, one of them is, um, you guys ever been invited to a party with someone, but you don't know the host? Who's ever had that? You're getting along, you're probably feeling a little bit awkward. And um, who's ever had that situation and the person that invited you forgot, forgets to introduce you to the, to the person that's hosting it? Anyone ever had that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was reminded of this. I was reminded of this. And I wanted to bring the challenge to us because I think, I think this Lent... Jesus really wants to be on a journey with each of us around restoration of ruins. But I also think Jesus really wants to be on a journey with other people that don't know him. And it's like our lives are being at the party of the great host. And we've got friends that we like get along and are at the party with. And our role isn't to kind of do everything for them, but we're, we're called to, to introduce them to the host. And to actually like make that connection for people. I really want to put that with you guys this year. Who can you be introducing um, to the host? Um, because it's just awkward to not know the host at the party. Who can you be um, sharing about Jesus with this then? So that's the first, the first challenge and invitation. And the second one is around baptism. Um, for anyone that hasn't been baptised and you um, know Jesus and you're like, oh... I mean, I guess there's baptism. Um, I just want to invite you. <laughs> this is just not really a full bit. It's just like baptism. Um, I want to invite you to just sit with that um, question of what would it look like to get baptised? Is there a call from God to um, make this a time through Lent? So to journey with that through Lent. Um, there'll be an opportunity. We have Blueprint Camp, which is on the week after Lent. Could we get baptised at camp in the the ocean up at Waikanae, um, or there will be other opportunities, but I would love to talk with anyone about that, and just take just take the journey, take the 40 days, um, and, and sit with that and pray through that. Um, and then the final thing I want to say before I shut up is just that um, with this story of the rebuilding of ruins, I want to um, underscore that I think those things all happen concurrently. And so some of you might be sitting here thinking, man, I just I need to just focus on me, on the ruins. 
um, and just need to be with Jesus with that. Or you might be thinking, I don't even know where to start, Jesus. You're just going to have to rebuild with me. Um, but just to say, I really think those things often happen concurrently, where God does a work in us, where God invites us into work with him, and where God invites us into work in the world. And often, the rebuilding work that happens communally and happens vocationally then provokes rebuilding work that happens in us. So um, don't feel like you need to get it all rebuilt before you go out and be a rebuilder. Don't feel like you need to get it all rebuilt before you consider getting baptised or, you know, sharing your life with other people. Um, I think these things often happen concurrently. Um, Not always. There'll be different times where it's like, God will highlight a certain thing. But just to say, um, to say that. Cool. That's what I've got to share. Great. We're just going to invite Tyson up now. Um, to lead us in some sung worship. Um, but as he comes up here, I just invite you guys to locate or invite God to um, let what's on top um, from this settle in you as we sing. Um, so God, would you, would you settle um, your word to us for tonight um, in us as we sing together?